Hey, welcome back to Pints and Perspectives, a podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church, where we believe there is a plethora of theological perspectives and plenty of beer to go around. I don't have anything to anything creative to say to enter into this video, so uh, here's me saying, hey. <laughs> <laughs> He said, womp, womp. <laughs> That's your one job. Literally, you have one job. <laughs> See? See, look, I'm so good at my job that I created the thing that I couldn't create. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to Pines and Perspectives. I'm Adam. That's Cullen, and uh, we're glad you're here. And uh, we be doing what we be doing. Uh, UConn won uh, the final four. I guess, shoot, look, when this podcast comes out, that's like old, old, old news. Yeah, so this podcast won't come out. It's April 5th right now. Oof. So it, like, for us, it literally just happened, like, last weekend. Right. Um, but it when this, this podcast come won't come out until the 20th the 20 so, oh it's coming out on 420 is it this podcast no, is coming that, out on it 420? is coming out on 420 well happy 420 everyone oh my gosh i don't oh. and if you don't know why that's cool then uh, you're lame we should have had ipas we should have had IPAs, but we're not. We're gonna. We should have had IPAs, and we should have had a feature on here of some Texas hymn. Four twenty. Uh, four twenty. Is it really well, happy four twenty, everybody? Happy four twenty. I everybody. will be sure to make this episode go public right at four o'clock. Of oh, four twenty. Yeah. No. Four. Yeah. A.M. Right. A.M. A.M. Four twenty p.m. Come on, my guy. No, ain't nobody up at four twenty waking and baking on four twenty. Actually, that's Boy, not true. you're wrong. There are so many people waking and making them 420. You are wrong. That's so no, true. No, you're right. We should have done something with like a ton of hops. Like, and there's a bunch of brewers out there that are playing on the... Uh, you well, know. you did the Enjoy Buy on yeah. the episode that's going to come out on the 6th. The next, one. The next yeah. one, yeah. But yeah. Uh, instead, today we have two Texas box. Shout out. So, uh, Cullen, tell us, tell us what you're drinking today. Yeah, so I've had Adams actually on this podcast, I think. Well, we'll get to that. Um, and so I'm not drinking that one when he brought it and gave me an option. I was like, let me have the other one. And this is from Real Ale Brewing, which if you didn't know, shout out. Um, it's in Blanco, Texas. Blanco. And this is the Hill Country Buck. Adam, what's the Hill Country known for? Hills. And they're not really the hills. And wine. Hills, wine, okay. and and like a fair mix of progressive and conservative cowboys. You know why? Because of Austin and wine. Uh, I, don't, um, I don't know why. Why, why? Well, I think part of it's the European influence, like the Czech influence right there. Maybe so. I don't know. Sure. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I have this. It's 4.9%. Um, ABV, it says it's handcrafted in the Texas Hills. Um, ain't nothing wrong with that. No, ain't nothing wrong. I mean, the Hill Country, you said it, it's kind of more known for wine. Uh, Texas wine is grown, well, the good wine. I mean, there's some wine grown down south, but it's like real sweet Moscato. Nobody and, wants that. No, nah, ain't nobody trying to drink that. You know, Everybody trying to get that full body red. Dry, dry, dry. Um. Anyways. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I got. So my beer is from back... Pew Brewing in the great city of Porter, Texas. Hey, uh, shout out. That's a suburb of H-Town. Sort of. It's pretty far up there on the north side. It's no, man. I mean, would you, would you consider Humble? No. 
What do you? It's on the Beltway. I mean, Umble is on the Beltway. How are you going to say that they got? Yeah, look, there are parts of Umble I'm just that are going to be Houston. I'm just one of them inner city boys. That's all. That yeah, there you, is. Yeah, like, yeah, Porter, yeah, yeah, Porter yeah. So Texas so represent. Uh, also, this brewery is located inside an old church building. Well, that's the whole thing. It's a 13 acre complex that they bought that used to be an old church, and all of their labels are like some ver like there's some playoff of some church or spirituality like their pilsner uh-huh. you know just like their normal everyday pilsner yeah. it's called the blue testament it sure is yep. why is it blue though uh, that's the I, flagship beer they say yeah i don't remember what the like gimmick about the blue is but. yeah i don't know either well this one is uh Seder swill which that's pretty pagan of them uh brewed in a traditional Wait, no Seder. satires no not satire satyr like the like the goat like the goat thing from Greek oh, mythology oh you're so right like I'm like, so sorry. like grover yeah, yeah, uh, a satyr yep like what's the one in uh uh with the red lion and the 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 the, the c.s lewis <laughs> what's the lion witch in the, the wardrobe yeah lion witch in the wardrobe what's the dern satyr's uh, name the goat man thing i don't remember mr something anyways um bad c.s lewis it's been a hot fans. minute since i read c.s lewis it's like a goat man thing, um, and they play the flute. Brewed in a traditional German style, this deceiving Bach drinks like a light beer but conceals a darker nature. Just like its namesake, the Seder Swill lures you in with sweet tones before letting its true potency overtake you. In the end, you'll be left with one question. Are you consuming it or is it consuming you? That copy is good, but I don't it, think that beer tastes anything like what it's Drink suggesting. with caution, for the Seder seeks your soul, sinners. It's a sinners. Yeah. And it's, uh, I love Bach. So I picked both of these beers out because I'm a big Bach fan. This Seder Swill is 7.2 uh, alcohol by volume, 22 IBUs in an 8-ounce can. 12-ounce can. 12-ounce can, sorry. Artfully crafted with bless. Well, water in Porter, Texas. <laughs> hey, yo, Porter. shout. I will say, in the same way that like reservoir water or like natural fresh spring water impacts um, beer and, you know, beverages, well water does as well. Like, well water just, I grew up on well water. Well water just tastes different. I grew up on well water. I grew up on city of Houston water. Yeah, that's why you're all messed up. Oh. Man, that's rude. Look, they have a King of the Hill. And it's uh, King of the Hells. King of the Hells locker. <laughs> I'm a huge King of the Hill fan. All right, cheers, bro. Cheers, bro. No clinks, just cans. Pop a top again. That song was played at my grandfather's funeral. Oh, you're putting them on a glass? Oh, my God. This is... The, sometimes box have this, like what I would describe as a, as a, as a raisiny flavor. It's like a fruit flavor. I would describe it as a raisin it's a prune uh, prune. It's prune. It's a prune it's flavor. A prune. It's a prune flavor. It's like a prune flavor. And this one is, uh, very pronounced on the first sip of the swill. Oh, Oh, I forgot to say this. I forgot to say this. The reason why it had all of those like ominous warnings about this beer sucking your soul is because it is a 7%, 7.2% Bach. That is uncommon. Drink it like a sinner. The can says.
Mm. What you got over there? Okay, so you're looking for like a spectrum. This beer taste, my beer tastes a lot like a Ziggenbach. This can art just makes me feel at home. Yeah. If if go to YouTube. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Um. Yeah. This this tastes a lot like a Ziggenbach, except it's less full bodied. It does less bodied than a Ziggenbach. I know it's hard to say that. I know it, that is, but <laughs> it dies midway through my palate. Okay, let me taste it. It doesn't. Here, I mean, taste, taste that one. It taste does, oh, I've had that. It's way too sweet for me. Oh wow, those beers are night and day. I know. This has zero body. I told you. But doesn't it taste like a Ziggenbach? I would prefer a second buck. You are a hundred percent right about that evaluation. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, Come on, real ale. Y'all had a good shot uh, at it. Yeah. Um, Dude, that is night and day. The two beers that we're drinking right now. Yeah. Of course. Six, six, eight. It gets where it starts. I it, would it get. It didn't go one way or the other. Look, real, t- real talk, real ale. I give that buck a four. It dies. It like it really does. I die. would prefer a Shiner box. Oh, one thousand percent. I would prefer a Zickenbach. I'm trying to think of other like low level box. I would I would enjoy uh, a uh, what's that other one that um. Anyways, well here in Houston we also get the Crawford box, which I know you would enjoy oh, more I, than that. Crawford box and Springbach are like my favorites. So. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to not include them. Uh, also, back pew. Look, Porter, Texas, go off. That's a beer beer. I mean, I don't. It's also 7.2%. It, it's that's big a problem. Booty boozy. I'm it, like, I'm like, y'all, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm yeah. a big Bach fan. Um, as it has been documented on this podcast multiple times, which is why I bought these two new Bachs that I hadn't tried before. Uh, this one is doing the most, and uh, might I say too much. Yeah. So. Well, do you agree with me that it's way too sweet? I like sweet box, which is why I like spring box from Sam. Yeah, it's so true. You do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're on the other end of the spectrum on box. I don't. I like the best box I've ever had. I think is Shiner box, and it's no, not very sweet. You're crazy. Um, it, no, Shiner box is hardly sweet at all. Um, I'm going to give this beer a pretty good rating, though, because it's well balanced. I love the malt on it. The, the only downside is that I think it is too high of an ABV. Um, well, box, yeah. They're not. They, they you don't be, want. They, they shouldn't be that high. I mean. Well, I mean, they. Again, no, I again, shouldn't say that. Again, I get it. I appreciate it. Well, Thank maybe you. maybe what we should say is a Bach is a lager, and lagers traditionally don't have that high of ABV. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good That's a good point. It is a traditional German lager. is the only one that can get a little high, and it's because it's around a festival and everybody trying to get a litty titty. Everybody's trying to make it hot. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm going to give this beer a six. Point six. Okay. Six. Six point six six. I'm gonna give it I a six 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 because it is. Uh, it says centers on it. I'll have to give a Clayton. Uh, what we need to do is we need to turn our sheet of all the beers in the ratings into a Google Doc, and we need to just have it permanently linked in the description so that everybody can see how we've rated all the beers. That's such a good idea. Um, but I'll try to give a Clayton and look at what it is. I think I gave that back Pew Brew. 
I think I gave that like a three and a half. I'm gonna have to go up there. They they have they you can go in the brewery, right? Have you been to the brewery? Yeah. Well, so I've not been in the brewery, but I have scoped out what the experience going to the brewery is like. We should go check it out someday. Well, there's no tap room. Oh, well then who cares? Why would I go you, up there? Well, because it's like a big It's a church. No, but it's like a big tailgate every Saturday. Oh, not I mean, do they do they, do they give you free beer? Uh, no. Well, then I'm not. But you can tour the brewery, I'm and you know how they have like the token system or Look, whatever. Look, man, I ain't going to drive to Porter, Texas. Now, I will also say, I looked this up a long time ago. It is a 35-minute drive from oh my, my house. Oh, my gosh. It would take you 35 minutes to get to downtown in the middle of traffic. Not, not by my route. Oh, um, gosh. <laughs> look, tap room. Look, look it says okay, so the I was, sanctuary. It's called the sanctuary. Okay, this is what I was about to say is I was looking at this when I first found Back Pew like three years ago. And so, or four years ago. So they may have a tap room, which apparently they do now. Uh, Looks like it's only open Thursday through Sunday. That doesn't shock me. And they call it the sanctuary. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a cool vibe. Bro, we got to go check it out. Yeah, I'm down. You know what? They might love to sponsor. Back they you. would we would we kind of fit their vibe and they kind of fit our vibe. Well, I, I we the, should say they're the, a little more rural than Adam is, right? He said uh, you know okay. town inner city. Bro, uh, the but, the uh the founder and brewmaster is uh has a PhD. I know. And, and an, an MBA. MBA from Ban uh Vander. Yeah, he's a chemist. Oh boy, you go you go off, Bobby Harrell. Come on, Bobby Harrell. Oh, yeah. look, it's a church. Okay. I told you they bought a 13-acre church property. We got to go up there and, check and turn it into out. a brewery. Let's throw a party up there. Holla back. Let's throw the first Pints and Perspectives party at uh, Back Pew. Well, I doubt it's the first one because they like to party. See? No, no, no. The first Pints and Perspectives oh, party. It would be the first Pints and Perspectives party. We never had a Pints and Perspectives party. Hey, let us know in the comments if you'd be interested in joining us for a meetup. In Porter, Texas. In Porter, Texas. Um <laughs> uh, or at some other brewery. You know, it doesn't have to be that. that hey, St. Arnold. That's a similar... Well, and I guess St. Arnold kind of has... It's a churchy vibe, too. It got churchy vibes. Their yeah. tap room is set up like a church with stained glass. Well, it's more kind of like a cathedral. Saint, right? It's not a church. That's a that's a modern term I, I was uh, always, over I, here. In I was the always a, a, a high church Protestant deep yeah. down inside. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess it could be high church. But St. Arnold was not high church. He was cathedrals. So, anyways... Uh, yeah. So let us know if you would be interested in a meetup. Also, this is for real talk. And Adam, you and I have not even had this conversation. Oh no. We have looked at, am I fired? Bring no. back Clayton. We have looked at a couple of ways to make this podcast better and to improve it. So I am being fired. No. The one thing that we haven't really talked about is the way that we need some community engagement and feedback. Are you going to sell us NFTs? No. But I do want you to let us know in the comments, like, how you feel about our content. Oh, yes. Like, do, let us have a conversation with you. We're not we just suck. monologuing for no reason. I mean, we enjoy it. I mean, we are looking for dialogue. This is Pints and Perspectives. We got two white dudes up here, and we're trying to have a multitude of perspectives and conversations welcome at this table. A multitude of sinners. But if y'all never speak, we don't ever hear. We never converse. You have a voice. Absolutely. So please let us know. And if you listen to the RSS only feed, I might invite you over to the YouTube side. Check it out. Uh, the link is in the description box. So uh, let us know. Okay. Let us. 
Let us on this four twenty. Let us. Let hey, us. it's not let, it's not the devil's lettuce. It's God's kale. God's kale on four twenty. Huh? Just letting everybody know. <laughs> can, can y'all tell we've been recording for a while already? Uh, and our first beer was nine point eight percent ABV. Yo, okay. What are we talking titty, about today? Two fifty. Uh, <laughs> we are doing a wrap up. Wrap up. Wrap up. Adam. Are we rapping? My name is Adam, and I'm here to say that I don't know if I believe I'm saved. Ooh. Get it, cuz. <laughs> I was I was suspect about where it was gonna go. And Thank then you. I thought, wait, Thank you. Thank you. he used the most basic intro <laughs> that any basic level rap artist would ever use. Drag me, why don't you? My name is Adam. And I'm here and to I'm say here to say. Okay, so he's only got one clever verse, <laughs> one clever line he got to come up with, and that's what we got. So, you know, be impressed or don't be. Both are probably appropriate. <laughs> comment, comment below, be impressed or unimpressed. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I will take every comment personally. Thank you. <laughs> there was there was a, a comment on your episode. Is Adam a heretic? This is, like, this is deeply disturbing. <laughs> we never responded, but they were like, "I'm this hitting podcast back." Podcast is deeply disturbing. <laughs> That's oh so funny. my god! Okay, all right. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up, Adam. Yes. When we started this series. On the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. You were real suspect. You were real cynical. Boy, I'm always suspect of you. Always. Uh, and that's why you're the co-host. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a little bit of accountability, some check and balances Praise for all God. you people that don't know. Oh, they know. They know. Um, so when you started, you're the cynic. <laughs> you are real suspect. You've convinced yourself that the problem of evil is, cannot be solved, and that's why you're an atheist now, leaving two, leaving two degrees in theology behind. Set them out. This is nonsense. Here we go. After 11 episodes? Wow. Is that Re- how many it was? Really? Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I, I would eight, like to purchase nine. A, I would like to give a beer to anybody Two. who's listened to all eleven that isn't named Adam Cullen or Kevin. You know what, Kevin? I'll buy you a beer too, but you know what I'm saying. Ten. Ten, ten 11, episodes? Twelve. This is the twelfth episode. No way. So eleven episodes that we've done. Okay. Um you want to give us some thoughts? You want to give us some feedback, some takeaways? How have your thoughts changed? Have they changed? Did anything kind of spark your mind in a new direction? We can still be friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I think, okay, uh, this is great. I didn't really prep for this. So let me, so this is a real organic response. Um, my mind hasn't changed. Okay. I think I think Christianity in its modern conceptions still has not overcome the problem of evil. I think it argues in circles. I mm-hmm. think it uses metaphors like the armor of God to um, insulate itself uh, from real critique. Mm. Um, 
which I would say I think that's a fair critique. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I'm not convinced in any way that... Um, okay, wait. I was going to say something that I don't actually mean. I think, Cullen, that your formulation of this duality between what you have called at times the ground of being, uh, to borrow a phrase, uh, and then the crown, the, gr- uh, ground of death as this, um, kind of, I think in a previous episode, you've used, uh, the analogy of a yin and yang, um, or whatever, a duality, uh, um, that that is a compelling interpretation and answer for, the problem of evil. Now, I'll say that I think I, I know as a trained theologian that you are a heretic for holding that perspective. That perspective, um, but so am I. So I throw no rocks nor shade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cast no stones nor shade. Yeah. So I think your formulation to bring it all the way around um, is solid. I, I think it's compelling, uh, but I do think it requires the belief in a powerful cosmic duality, which many religious traditions throughout time and space have he- actually held. Uh, Christianity is not one of them because there isn't a true duality. There is a there, God is more powerful than it, uh, whatever God's enemy is, uh, whether that be death, sin, Satan, or some combination. Um, so I think you have prevailed upon me in that regard, but I don't think evangelical Christianity or a modern conception of Christianity, Christianity has answered that question. Yeah. Let me say one last point, one last point, and then I'll let you respond. That is all contingent upon those presuppositions that we discussed probably in the first two to three episodes about what we've called multiple times the omnis. The problem of evil only continues to be a problem if you hold that the deity in question has some combination of all powerfulness, all knowledge. That's it. Um, and those those th- are the only those two, two that have two. really any bearing Which, on the pro- well, and I guess omnibenevolence. Because uh, you need a good if you if you don't have an all good god, like if you think back yeah. to a god that has all of the same emotions of an ancient world human, that God is not all good and nobody's trying to make that God all good. They might make them just. Sure. But it's a distorted view of retributive justice rather than restorative justice. That's the problem. I think I still, you you ask like what has changed. I think I still hold to the premise that for a, for um, a singular deity to possess the attributes of omnibenevolence and either omni omnipotence or um omniscience or some combination of those three always results in the problem of view mm. and christianity falls within that category yeah. uh, uh, let me say traditional orthodox christianity because yeah. i'm not i'm not rejecting your claim to christianity based on your dualistic uh, formulation here yeah. I, I you know you're i still yeah. consider myself a christian right but like traditional orthodox christianity um falls within that category and i don't buy it yeah i think i would agree with that i you know the reason i've come up with my which you've called heretical which it may be it may not be i want ben um, blackwell 
I want to get Ben Blackwell in the seat, and you pitch this to Ben Blackwell. Uh, He'll tell you if you're a heretic or not. Uh, he certainly would. He certainly would. That's a great idea. Where's Andrew Barrett? Andrew, he's a heretic, oh, right? Andrew is moving. First of all, Andrew listens to a lot of these. He came at me the other day. He was like, uh, he sent me a text. Uh, what did he say? Let me pull this up. I think there's a great cloud of witnesses that would agree that you you two are a heretic. Yeah. Uh, comment below. Uh, deeply disturbing. Hey, Adam, uh, Andrew texted me uh, on Friday and he was like, just got done cackling at a PMP. Adam was raving about that Spotsil beer and all the things it would go good with. <laughs> and you, jerk, just said, yeah, I think it'll be a run of the mill beer, <laughs> well, <laughs> which we, I did. And I was right. Hey, Andrew, we appreciate you listening to the first 10 minutes of each podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I really hope you've made it to the end where it's uh, more theologically <laughs> substantive. So if you're here, comment below. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> We're gonna but put you're some, right. Yeah. There would, there would be a cloud of witnesses that are theologically trained and I think good voices. Unfortunately, both the ones you mentioned are white men, but they ah, could, they could be right. good Yellow checks and balances. Canceled. Um, but if... Shout out, if you want to have us start bringing some of these other voices that we have in our network uh, on, including women and people of color. Help us purchase a third mic. God, please help us purchase a third microphone. Oh, please help us purchase a third microphone. You can give at the link in the description box below if it uh, pleases your heart. It so certainly pleases ours. I totally derailed us again, which is my job. But you mm -hmm. were in the middle of saying something. Yeah. Um, you don't remember, do Well, you? I was saying I'm not sure that I agree with you that my position makes me a heretic. Oh, right, 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 right. Out and, uh, out and through true and true style. Um, but... I will most certainly agree with you that it is problematic the way that an omni god of traditional orthodox mm -hmm. evangelical Christianity, um, we have no real answer to the problem of evil. And, you know, we can use like, oh, childlike faith or Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Hermeneutical like gymnastics, of, man. It's gymnastics. Well, it's, I don't know if it's hermeneutical gymnastics all of the time. I think some of it is like in, in any conversation about f divinity or faith, at some point we do, no matter who you are, what theological perspectives you hold, at some point you have to go divine mystery because I can't answer that one. That piece, I have to just chalk it up to divine mystery. Yeah. And historically, post the Enlightenment, post modernity, nobody's okay doing that. We. Uh, this is the critique of me sometimes with still uh, Orthodox friends is the loss of of divine mystery in the sense that like I have chosen to be too empirical in the way that I view yeah. everything um, <clears throat> or that um, I have, I no longer hold space for God to be um, holy other than yeah, uh, and beyond uh, all conception right so like this well, that transcendental like that transcendent element yeah yeah and so that's fair but also that once again is the problem with christianity that it's like oh well just faith hold yeah. up that shield of faith 
and just like buy it. But like maybe I've pointed out a logical inconsistency. Maybe I've pointed out a rational breakdown. But your response is more, but it's the mystery. And if you don't have mystery, then like, you know, it's important. Well, everybody has to do it, right? Like think back to the, the faith you were given. What was the divine mystery piece that you had to do? Uh, the problem of evil. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, I think centrally is that first and foremost. And for me, that was insufficient. So I created this new way of thinking about the problem of evil. Mm. But what did it create for me? Well, I had to say divine mystery because now I have a God that's not omni. Yeah, so you have to chalk it up to like some divine mystery. No no matter what perspective you have, you always have to have some piece of divine mystery or childlike faith or, you know, whatever we want to call it. Well, that's because at a base level, all religion is some act of faith, non empirical belief in a non provable reality. Yeah, I I would say that in in the way that we would think about like scientific discovery. There's no way to prove God's existence. No, there's not. I mean, <laughs> there are apologists who are screaming at us right now, but I but the care. truth is, but the truth is you can't. You cannot. You cannot. But I will say, you know, we said on the last episode we were going to talk about Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, so I forgot. I'll, I'll push us that way. I forgot. I forgot. By responding okay. with this, um there's a scene in season six Ooh. or seven of Game of Thrones when Samuel Tarley is at Old Town training at the Citadel to be a maester. Okay. He's having a conversation with the Archmaester about the White Walkers. Yep. And he says, hey, can I have access to the restricted area of the library so I can study the White Walkers? You know, I've seen them. Nah. I've killed them. And he says, and I walk these halls and I talk to all these maesters who I know have studied them and they pretend like they never existed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the Archmaester, like, seeing Samuel's distraught, like, frustration, and then being denied access to the library on top of it, says, you know, Samuel, I don't think you're crazy. He's like, I think there's too many um, confirmed similar accounts of the White Walkers and the Night King that never cross paths to make it viable. Mm. And your devotion... To what you claim to have seen mm. makes it more than likely that you did see what you claim to have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the Archmaester, that's proof that White Walkers exist. Interesting. If okay. you take that concept of truth and proof, that's what the Bible's doing. The Bible has multiple mm. un, unconfirmed cross accounts of Jesus and certain truths about Jesus, right? I might point you to Paul being the adversarial or counterpart proof to the disciples. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. And then the years of Christian tradition dying for the cause. Yeah, I know. You you, hang, you do hang your hat on the uh, martyrdom argument. Well, I mean, really, I mean, uh, are you, you call yourself a Christian. Yeah. If somebody came to you and put a knife to your throat and said, are you a Christian? If you are, I'm going to kill you. Are you holding that? Or are you probably going to let them kill you? I mean, are you going to let them kill you or are you going to denounce Christianity? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think, man, you know, not since there was a uh, school shooting when I was in high school have I thought about this question. <laughs> and and legend, probably not. I'd probably save my life. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down mm-hmm. because he believed so much in the truth of Jesus that he didn't even think he was worthy to die the same way. Look, man. I those stories matter to me. I, I do. Think th- those traditions, those accounts, yeah. that witness. That matters to me. I do think there there is no part of me that, well, there is. Uh, I was going to overstate something, but uh, I do generally hold that Jesus of Nazareth was a truly uh, and documented uh, and provable historic figure. Yeah, I, I think there's enough corroborating evidence across multiple perspectives to. Yeah, I think Jesus was real. I yeah. do. I do. So, let's wrap this up with the Game of Thrones conversation in the next eight minutes. Yes. I think Game of Thrones, you know, throughout this series several times, we've struggled to find mm. an accurate, you know, storytelling rendition Bullshit. of a biblical story. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry, I cussed again. No, I disagree. Star Wars. Oh, you think Star Wars? Star Wars I, will yeah. always be the quintessential. Look, also, uh, J.R. Tolkien has something to say about this with his Frodo. Yeah, but but that's so different. J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis with Narnia, they don't get to do that because their intention is to create a Messiah. Okay, yeah, that is true. They are intentionally uh, trying intentionally to make a Jesus trying typology. To typologize okay. Jesus. Okay. okay, fair. Game of Thrones has no interest in doing that. Ah. Uh, I would love to see at Google if George R. R. Martin took any. I bet he didn't. He is the furthest from a Christian, that's for sure. <laughs> but I think it's the hero's journey. Like, like you already said it. Like, I we all know that. Uh, what's his name? Gosh, uh, George Lucas wasn't trying to create a Christological figure, right? Um, 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 I, I sincerely don't think that. Um, uh, Harry Potter author, what's her name? Man, see, I canceled her so hard in my mind, I can't even remember her name. Rowling. Um, I don't Our, think. I don't. I don't think she set out to make a um, Christological figure out of Harry. Um, but it is. It is. It is a narrative motif. What's the hero's journey? And in the it same is. way, I don't think the Iliad or the Odyssey was trying to make a hero, a Jesus typology out of. What's his name? Um, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, you know his name. But uh, Homer. No, that's no, the Homer's the author. Yeah. Um, Ulysses. No. Ulysses. No, Wait, that's, no, that's it. Is it? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Anyways, I, I can't confirm Adam's claim about Star Wars because I've never seen it. I know. What, like, come on. Anyways, no, go ahead. Go, no, but look, no, I like no, this no. Game of Thrones thing because I'm big The Game fan. of Thrones, we've both seen it. We both understand it. And I really do think it is a great... I see it's it. It's a great example. And and specifically for the problem of evil, you know, I have made this claim from the beginning of this series that the reason I view this differently is because my enemy is not sin. Right. My enemy is death. Yeah. And so what is Jon Snow out evangelizing? Uh, that, that the dead are coming and the living, no matter what right. our... What our feuds amongst each other are. They don't matter. We must band together to fight the common enemy, which is the army of the dead. That has a dragon now. Look, big time spoiler alerts. But And now they got a dragon. At one point they get a dragon. Yeah. Yep. 
I'm watching back, watching back through it right now, and I'm in season seven, and they don't have a dragon yet, but Oof. they've got a bunch of giants. That was a moment. That was a moment. Um, so, which also, if would you, you didn't know, another spoiler alert: the only three dragons in existence are owned by Daenerys Targaryen until until one gets shot out of the sky, by and the it Night turns King. into an army of the dead dragon. Yeah, solid. so this is what I say. Fire and ice, baby. Tale of fire and ice. A tale of fire and ice. Um, so, I so think is Daenerys is Daenerys. What, what, what's the typological figure for Daenerys? Because she's clearly not. I mean, she is a savior. She's a liberator. She is the uh, mother of dragons and the breaker of chains. She is um, a marginalized figure in the fact that she's one female, two was sold into slavery, three has like a house that's been destroyed. But she becomes the liberator. Daenerys is my favorite character, maybe, of all. Like, okay, cinema. so tell me about Daenerys in season eight and what happens to her. Well, she's she's a descendant of the Mad King, and so she does go crazy on power. Yeah. And Murderously. She, and she no longer looks like any kind of Christ figure. She no longer looks like a savior. She looks like a fallen a, angel a murderer well she is she is and she has good counsel from many people but they killed melisandre (laughs) and that pissed her off yeah so she burnt cersei's kingdom to the ground that's not an appropriate response it's not and it also george rr martin didn't write that that was uh liberties taken by the producers in the final season anyways um you might say you know, to borrow from an overplayed um, fiction book series, she's the epitome of the Antichrist. She looks like the <gasps> Savior leading up. Ooh, is and Danny then when the push comes to shove, she's insufficient. And who is John in the moment? Because again, big time spoiler alert: John he kills her. Kills her. Yeah. Um. Oh man, that is so good. Is she the Antichrist? Is Daenerys the Antichrist? That's exactly who she is. And her lead, her hand is the one that counsels John to kill her right before he does. Oh my God. Yeah, he does a wordplay. And. Oh, I, yeah. She dies. Uh, John kills her. And then what happens? You, you go the whole movie or the whole series. And who do you think the Jesus figure? Who's the Messiah? Oh, you it's said, John. It's John. But it's not. Right. Well, but but not until the final moments why, of the why, final episode. Why can he not be the Messiah figure? Well, he's Targaryen too. Sorry, these are big spoilers. Um, their brother and sister. I don't know. Why can't he? Pride? Ambition? I don't know. If we're going to tie it back to the Bible, I might recall you to second samuel when david wants to build god a house and god says no you can't because you have too much blood blood on your hands hands. is it because he is the killer of daenerys well i think i mean he's the warrior he is and and the true savior can't look like that but he didn't kill the night king did he who killed the night king see this is the other messianic figure who killed the night Arya. Arya is a big time messianic figure throughout the whole series. But she doesn't reign. Maybe she she's the Holy reigns. Spirit. Maybe she's the Spirit. She's ever present. She's she the moves faceless around. man. She goes, she moves around. She's the faceless man. Well, but she never does, right? Because well, hers right. are always true masks, not that's magic. True. Good point, good point. Um, 
But the real savior is the one nobody expected. Brand. The one that in the very first season gets pushed out a window as a boy and is paralyzed. And for the first half of the damn seasons, he's brooding that he can't walk anymore. He can't sure. ride. He can't run. He can't shoot a bow. He can't do anything. And that's the guy that really ends up mattering. He becomes the king of the seven realms. And he wise beyond his years. Definitely. Gracious. Well, he has seen the totality of history and future, right? That's the three-eyed raven's burden. Yeah, and so if you've been around as we've been having these conversations, one of the things that I say quite often is that the way I explain omniscience for God is I think God knows every possibility before every human uh, and every outcome of every possibility. Just that like every the three-eyed raven. Make. Just like the three-eyed raven. But they have no idea which one, which one they're going to pick. Um, and in the same way, because God knows that once they etch one in the history, God always knows the pattern of history and can use patterns to predict future things. But God does not know. In the same way that Bran, you might know. say that he's the savior figure that doesn't do anything. He doesn't he do anything. He foresees a ton of death and doesn't do anything to stop said death. Except for, like, get people in the right places at the right time. That's, like, oh, the only thing he ever does. Hodor. Perhaps maybe that's all he can do. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And he becomes this messianic figure. Now, you made the claim that Jon Snow is really it because he dies. Well, right? he, he literally dies and resurrects. Yeah, he comes back from the dead. But I think it is a play of multiple Christological figures because, like, you also have, like, the followers of the Lord of Light. And you have, yep. um, what's her name? The 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 priestess of light. And uh, Melisandre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, you have this whole other, like, sect that, like, worships the one true... Um, monotheistic lord of light who but they also, do child sacrifice they, she kills stannis's daughter they do child sacrifice and but, then it costs him the war but they're but they're um uh, but the lord of lights chosen um um like warrior Prince. yeah is also resurrected from the dead numerous times you remember that no nope. yes oh, he is oh um, what's his face um, i don't remember yeah his name. uh the guy that's hanging out he has with, one eye he has yeah. one eye yeah, and he has so a, right. a sword that's always on fire. And, and he, he's, yeah, he's like come back from the dead at season seven. He's come back from the dead like six times, six times. Yeah. yeah. So he's always resurrecting. To he has continue. a drunk priest that hangs out with him and resurrects him all the time. Anyways. So I, there's all sorts of Christological figures. There is. But, but I love the I love what you're pointing out that in the end, it is the marginalized, the forgotten, the ignored. Well, and they realize that their enemy is not the living. Oh, it's right. The dead. Right. That there that there's a another cosmic force or battle that I'm fighting against that, that this inner feud conflict that I see amongst my fellow right. humans, this is nothing compared to the actual war that we're fighting. Right. And the reason I bring this up is because this is what I think Paul means when, or the author of Ephesians, when they write Ephesians six. Yeah. Interesting. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. You you do not understand it's the White Walkers. That what you see and what you are trying to fight against with your power dynamics and you masters owning slaves and you husbands lording over your wives. The, the Game of Thrones. Yeah. This no. This does not matter. Your power fight does not matter because our battle, our war, is against the dead. Is is against the White Walkers. I'm convinced. I'm now converted. I am a worshiper of Lord of the Rings. Oh, wait, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Two episodes ahead. Bran, Bran is my lord and savior. Mm. 
Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.